My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. If you'll uh, take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 6, we will start looking at Noah and the flood. No, sorry. Um, uh, Bad Bible joke. We're not going to Genesis. Don't go to Genesis. Where are we going today? Mark. Yes. It's all right. Josh, just remember, he who laughs last thinks slowest. It is a mean joke, isn't it? Every speaker has to have a couple of those in your back pocket. All right, so we are looking at uh, Mark. We're in chapter one this week. Uh, uh, Let me start by saying thank you to Miss Thesa uh, for uh, masterfully walking us through uh, the baptism of Jesus, which is uh, an exceedingly rich and can be complicated uh, process. And I want to draw us once again to the approach Uh, When Thesa got a question last week, which was often, the answer was always, ooh, here's a question, let's look at the text, Uh, which is a fantastic way to respond and engage with anybody that you are dialoguing with. So uh, let's go ahead and read uh, Mark chapter 1, and then we'll start uh, looking and asking some questions today. So Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. 
And he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go on to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So we are introduced in today's text to several uh, new concepts in this passage today, verses uh, 12 and 13. So if you look at verses 12 and 13, a couple of uh, my observations from this text. So we, we begin to see the Spirit working in the life of Jesus. So last week we looked at the Spirit descending to Christ, and now we begin to see the Spirit moving and working in the life of Jesus. We see Satan's efforts to stop uh, God's redemptive plan. Uh, Ava, I like to use the word thwart whenever I can in writing. It's a good word. We see Jesus' pattern of isolation. And and I I specifically wanted to read all of Mark chapter 1 today because we begin to see this, even in the first chapter of Mark, Jesus gets out by himself. He just gets out by himself. He gets out by himself. And then uh, in, in verses 12 and 13, we begin to see the, the work of angels. We continue to see the work of angels in Jesus' life. Uh, we specifically see these during his major events. We saw uh, Gabriel show up at Jesus' birth. Um, we see during this temptation, the angels came out and ministered to him. There was an angel that came and strengthened him when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And then obviously at the resurrection, uh, saying, He is not here. He is gone. Right? So you see these angels that are, that are messengers. So I want to go back just a bit to uh, some of the text that Thesa covered last week because I want to I show you some of the verbs and how they help to prepare us for this week. So if you look at the review section at the bottom of page 21 in your handout there, it says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth 
of Galilee. So whenever we see, whenever we see places, you know, make sure you got your maps. We want to make sure we know where we're at. So Galilee is this purple section up top. Uh, Nazareth is kind of in the uh, the lower left-hand corner of that. So he's he's coming from uh, Nazareth in Galilee. He goes out to where John is. Uh, John is baptizing where? In the Jordan, right? And the Jordan basically just cuts uh, Israel in half. Um, so he's he goes he travels from here. He comes over to where John is baptizing uh, in the Jordan, and and he was baptized. So what is the word that I have highlighted there? He was baptized. It's passive. This means something was done to you. So you, you might ask the question, you know, can you baptize yourself? And some of you are like, what? That's a weird question. Is, these are the things that I think about early in the morning. Uh, well, Jesus didn't. Jesus was baptized. It's something that is done to you. Uh, and Thesa pointed out last week that this is part of his identification as uh, identifying with humans as being baptized, going through processes that we go through. And then in verse 10, it's a very interesting parsing here. It says, and when he came up, so Anabino, this is a present participle active. So what is that? Anybody remember what present active participles mean? It's repeatedly. So if he came up repeatedly, that means what? He went down repeatedly. That's right. But we're not done. There's a little bit more here. He came up repeatedly out of the water and immediately saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit... So here we go. You're going to see the Spirit's working in the life of Jesus. And if, if, you, if you look at the whole course of Scripture, you know, the Spirit shows up in Genesis chapter 1, and you see the, the Spirit is hovering where? Over the waters. And then a very short period of time later, what happens? The earth just begins to explode with life, Right? And, and this is the work of the Spirit. There is a hovering, there is an engaging, and then life just springs forth. And this just happens all the way through the Scriptures. It is, it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. So Jesus identifies with humanity by uh, the, the working of the Spirit here. Being torn open and the Spirit descending. So here we have another present active participle. So the Spirit is repeatedly descending on him. So he's coming up out of the water, and the Spirit descends. He goes back in. He comes up, the Spirit descends. He goes back in, he comes up, the Spirit descends. It would have been hard to have missed this. In one of the other Gospels, John talks about him seeing this, and he's describing it. And imagine like just being there, and you seeing something and hearing something that you've never experienced before. Now this is before we have a command to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus gives this at the end of the Gospels, this direction. But maybe, just maybe, he's setting this as a precedent on, do you remember? Do you remember? Do you remember? So two things I want to catch from this. One is Jesus' identification as a human being. And two, 
the Spirit is, John is doing something to him, and the Spirit is descending onto or into him even. And a voice comes from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. And then Mark, as is typical for Mark, immediately jumps into the next part of the story. And the Spirit immediately drove him. He immediately drove him. So how much time lapsed between Jesus' baptism and the time where the Spirit began to move him? None, right? I kind of get the feeling that the robe was still wet. Right? And this is a beautiful picture of how the Spirit works in the life of a believer. In that when you become a Christian, the Spirit immediately begins to work. There is not a, well, you know, you gotta, you got to sit over here on the sidelines for six years and you have to get educated and you have to get... No, 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 no. The Spirit begins to work. It is a beautiful picture of immediate engagement and the love that the Spirit has for humanity. So the Spirit immediately drove. What's the, what's the word that I have highlighted there? Eject. It's another way to translate the word drove. I don't know if you've ever... You might have seen a movie where there's a... Uh, my son and I are going through all the Die Hard movies. And uh, we're at the fourth one now. So he, he now gets the joke, yippee-ki-yay. So there's that, right? But um, I may have to edit that out right now. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Sorry. So, so the, the fourth Die Hard movie, Bruce Willis finds himself on top of a jet plane, right? And the fighter pilot ejects from the plane. And when, when the fighter pilot ejects, what happens? cockpit blows off, you get shot out, there's a parachute comes down, and he's hitting the ground, and, and you get this sense of, this was not a casual, slow, well, we, we landed safely, there was a ramp, that we took our, no, 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 this was, we, we are being pushed, we are being ejected into the wilderness. So I don't want you to miss this. This is the master and maker of the universe submitting himself to the Spirit's push. Now, what I don't want to say here is I don't want to say that there is a... Uh, I don't want to build a hierarchy in the Trinity that is not expressed. Okay, So I want to I I say that and I want to pull it back real quick because Jesus is not subservient to the Spirit. Right, The Father sent the Son... The Father sent the Spirit. The Spirit testifies of the Son. The Son testifies of the Father. There are beautiful relationships here. But Jesus humbled himself and was moved by the Spirit. Which is, again, a beautiful example for us. So don't miss these opportunities where Jesus relates to us in a way that we can actually relate to. So the Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. All right, so let's talk about the wilderness. Where is the wilderness? Where on your map does it say wilderness? There's no, there's no word that says wilderness, right? All right, where do you, typi- do you typically find wilderness in cities? No. All right, so you we want to be looking for places that have gaps, right? <laughs> there, are, there are 
blank spots on the map. That's typically where you find wilderness, okay? There are many opportunities for wilderness in Israel. There's several big chunks of space in in this spot. So he drives him out into the wilderness. This is away from cities. And he was in the wilderness. This word means lonesome or waste. Forty days. Now, what did he have just come from? Just come from his baptism. And he's in the wilderness for 40 days. So who is there with him? Satan's there with him. One of the creepy and yet encouraging things that an old preacher said to me one time was that whenever you stand up and teach the Bible, you can rest assured that there is a demonic presence close by. Because the devil hates anything that exalts Jesus. And wouldn't this be a really early place to circumvent and to stop. And, and this, is not, this is not the devil's first attempt at stopping Jesus, right? When you look back at the Old Testament, uh, the New Testament talks to us about uh, all the idol worship that was in the Old Testament was actually demonic worship. Like those idols were actually demons that were exalting themselves and saying, worship me, worship me, worship me. Get your eyes off of Yahweh. Get your eyes on me. That was an attempt to thwart. There you go, Ava. Use it again, thwart. God's plan of bringing the Messiah to the earth and providing a Savior for his people. And then when Jesus is born, who does, who does the devil use as his henchman to try to kill Jesus? Yeah, the government, right? Well, that one fell flat, didn't it? And uh, who does, what, what scenario does the devil try to exploit here? His loneliness, his hunger, his thirst, right? We, this is a, a parallel passage in the other Gospels as well. That's right. Um going to the same place that he was and pushing those buttons. That's right. If you are an image bearer of Jesus Christ, he does not like you. Now, this is not rocket science. This is like Theology 101. Okay? He, he really passionately does not like you and wants to mar the image of God in you. So when he was in the wilderness... Uh, 40 days. All right, so somebody pull out a calendar. What day was 40 days ago? Somebody pull out your calendar, count it back. Somebody tell me. 40 days ago. January 10th or 11th. So January 10th, you got off by yourself. And seen another person since January the 10th. Think about all that's happened in your life since January. I mean, some of you where this is your busy time of the year. Mitch, I'm, I'm looking at you. Jessica, I'm looking at you. Like, 
You can't imagine having 40 days of just no human interaction there, right? Where's your mind going to go after 40 days? I tell you where my mind goes. My phone's on there on the camera tripod. Julie's going to go, you're going to argue with this statement, and you're going to be right. Um, uh, I would have trouble going 40 minutes without checking, and you would say I have the wrong unit of measure. She would, I, I just knew you were going to say, 40 minutes, 40 seconds, that's the, right? Um, and Jesus was there 40 days. Whose choice was this? Whose? What does the text say? The Spirit. The Spirit drove him in the wilderness. This is the Spirit's choice. So is God omniscient? Does God know all? Yes, absolutely. The Spirit knew what was going to happen. This is again Jesus relating to being an example for us. He was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted. So this is again a passive. There's something that's happening to him uh, by, and it, the, the word is hupo. It's the word for under. Uh, you've probably heard Gary talk about uh, the Greek word uh, hupotasso, submission. This is the under the authority of someone else. It's a compound word, uh, hupo and then uh, uh, tasis. Um, and this is the word for under. It's, it's literally being tempted under Satan. So who is Satan? We have a new character being introduced. Right? We haven't seen Satan yet in Mark. So what's one, of the, what's one of the synonyms for Satan? Yeah, the adversary or the devil. Right? I mean, imagine your name also meaning adversary. Like you, you, he does, yes. But in his role here, there's opposition, 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 opposition. You see that? What the Spirit is driving out, and we've got opposition and opposition and opposition. And you're going to see this over... Like, how many times did he encounter demons, satanic oppression, in the first chapter of Mark? Right? This is, this is a pattern that's going to get repeated over and over and over again in Mark. For those of you that have read Mark, it's like, will the demons just ease up? No. No, they won't. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well... <laughs> And until Jesus deals with them, it won't happen, right? And, and then he's going to deal with them. So he's tempted by Satan. Now, Mark doesn't go into the details here, right? But what do we know about Jesus tempting? Does he pass or does he fail? He passes, right? And, and not only does he pass, he shows us how to pass, right? What does the Bible say? The Bible says this. What does the Bible say? The Bible says this. What does the Bible say? The Bible says this. It's interesting to note that Jesus treats Satan just like he treats the Pharisees. Have you not read? The scripture says this. It's like, ooh. You know the most common question that Jesus asks in the Gospels? Haven't you read this? It's 
Flip over to the third page of your handout. In the homework section, it says, pray for help in understanding Mark. And it says, hear Mark multiple times. And I am still terrified that we do not hear the Bible enough. So, pull out your phones. Open up your Bible app. I'm going to show you how to listen to Mark in the car. We're going to redeem some time. Ava, is that your phone? Oh, okay. I was like, that's impressive. And kind of scary, but yeah, okay, good. Uh, select the ESV translation. You know how to do that? You click on the read button at the bottom and then click the ESV from the drop down list. And then there's going to be a. Zeke, can I borrow yours for a second? You have the Bible? Oh, you do. Yay. I'm doing this from memory. Do you see the little uh, volume looking icon at the top? You see that? Click that. And then you're going to get a play button at the bottom. Everybody click play. Now, here's the neat thing about this little tool. This little tool is free. And this little tool will keep going all the way through the book of Mark until you tell it to stop. Ah, it's trying to download the audio file, right? Streaming, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I just blew up your data plan, but um, <clears throat> Jesus is worth it, so it's okay. Yeah. Hear Mark. We should, we should not be surprised when we experience the text of Scripture once and we walk away and we go, some of that didn't make sense. Right? We actually, I don't think we should be surprised when we experience the text of Scripture a hundred times and we walk away and we go, some of that didn't make sense. Right? This is over and over and over and over. What did Jesus bring with him into the wilderness? We know he didn't bring food. We know he didn't bring water. What did he bring? Coffee. <laughs> Not coffee. Spirit himself and what he had invested as a child learning the scriptures. See, we can bring this with us. It's okay. It is a beautiful gift to give ourselves to invest and to pour the scripture in so that there is something then to redeem and to use when the time comes. So let's go back. Page 22, second page of your handout. So you have this opposition, this opposition, this opposition. Uh, one of the reasons that I picked the ESV uh, was because it has this audio, this free audio Bible, and you can just listen and listen and listen and listen and listen. So just that was more than dumb luck. It was actually a plan. So there's that. Uh, Forty days. 
being tempted by Satan. And then this really goofy phrase in here, uh, and he was with the wild animals. <laughs> Just for you, darling. I don't. Like, I really don't. Like, I, this kind of creeps me out a little bit here, right? He's with the wild animals? Yes, he was. And who knew that? They sure did. Do, do you remember you remember back in the Old Testament, uh, it was Balaam, right? Balaam's the prophet. Help me out if I screw this up. Balaam's the prophet, and he, he won't say what he's supposed to say, and he's riding on the donkey, and he's kind of in a tight spot, and the angel shows up right in front of him, and the donkey what? He's <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> God will use anything at his disposal, and oh, by the way, everything's at his disposal, to communicate his message to his people. Like, it, he is relentlessly creative. <laughs> he, he literally created the whole universe, right, for his glory. It is beautiful. So the fact that Jesus has these wild animals, and the, the, the implication here is that they are dangerous, but they're not dangerous to him because he's the son of God. Shows you how far out in the wilderness he is. I think this is one of the reasons this might be here. So he's with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. So this is a beautiful little phrase. So the angels, we see their, their work in the, the life of Jesus. And their primary work in the scripture is as messengers. So God gives them a message and they go deliver the message. God gives them a message, they go deliver the message. God gives them a message, they go deliver the message. What they don't get to do is change the message. What they don't get to do is be disobedient about not delivering the message. And in a very real way, we have a function much like the angels in that God has given us a message and has told us to go and deliver the message. And I don't see anywhere in the scripture where I have an out to go well, I don't like that message. I think we'll change it to a different message, a more palatable message. Or to just say, no, I'm just not going to deliver that message. Was there ever an angel that did not do what God commanded? Yes. See verse 12, right? We have no idea when God... Uh, because I don't know that there was a win. Uh, God created the angels, but we have no reason to believe that he created them all on the same day or not on the same day. But the angels would certainly have known Satan. They would have certainly known the strongest adversary to God's plan. <clears throat> and they showed up ministering. And I love that word, the ministering, because it's diakoneo. Uh, this is the verb form of deacon, to, to serve, to be an attendant, to wait upon. And if you read that first definition, to be an attendant, to wait upon, if, if that sounds like a waiter at a restaurant, because that's what the word means. That was the original definition of the word way back in the day. And this is an imperfect. So an imperfect is action continually or repeatedly happening in past time. So this wasn't, they didn't show up once and wait on him showed up over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and what they might have brought, possibly, would have been, what? 
water and what else? Food, maybe manna, right? I don't know. It seemed like that was God's food of choice, so possibly. We don't know. But they were ministering to him. So again, we see how Jesus relates, is an example for us, in that he submits to the will of the Spirit. He is tempted. He is alone. He is not alone. And God does not leave him without assistance. There's a lot going on in these two little verses, aren't there? Yes. That's right. Where? When we started this Sunday school class uh, 11 years ago, almost 11, uh, Chris Cordes and I were scheduled to, do, to teach this together. And uh, we were brainstorming about how to develop and approach and what would be the strategy and this kind of thing. And I told him, I said, I'm going to say things every once in a while that are flat out wrong. And I'm going to say them on purpose. And I'm going to nod and smile when somebody agrees with it because I want to see if people are paying attention and listening. And he was like, that is kind of scary. I was like, it is, isn't it? Just a little bit. I said, now I'm not going to let you go to the end of the lesson and still believe in that. But I want you to be Bereans and say, I don't think the Bible said that. So where's the text? Luke 4.2. 4, Let's go to Luke 4.2. That's right. Very good. Yes. That's probably about it. When I studied that word, I went on down the list of you know the alternate. Yes. Because if you start that sermon, you say you liken it into a waiter. You're like, well, they didn't bring me any food. Right. That's right. Or anything that serves his interest. And so that's kind of where I got the water. There you go. They weren't bringing any food. There you go. They knew who he was. Right? He he had not yet done the full unveiling of I am Jesus Christ. Right? He he is going to start dropping what I would consider to be an unusually large number of hints about this and very direct statements about this. But, um, but they knew, and they always knew. And when he was on the cross, he actually makes, a, or before he goes to the cross, he, or was he on the cross or before he went to the cross? He said, I can call 12 legions of angels. Where was it? He was in the garden, right? And they would come and help. And that, if you wanted to know the math, it's a very large number, right? It has a comma. And, and they were at his beck and call, and they came and served as he needed. It's a beautiful little story, and it's true, which is even better. So, look at your homework on the back of page 23. So next week, we finish through verse 13. All right, let's pick up with verse 14 next week. <laughs> now, I will... 
I will tell you this. It will very likely take us longer than one week to get through verses 14 and 15. Because verses 14 and 15, uh, there, are, there are anchor points in each book of the Bible that the author references back to and references. And this is one of those. Because Jesus is going to make reference to why he came and what he was about and what his message was. And we have to really thoroughly understand 14 and 15 if we're going to put the rest of the book in a proper context. Because we, we, can, we can read into it what we want to think his message might be, but he is very explicitly clear here with what the actual message is. Uh, and I am super, super glad that he is. So your homework at the bottom of page 23, pray for help in understanding Mark. Uh, hearing Mark multiple times. So we talked through the, the Bible app, how to hear Mark. Thinking about Mark often, day and night. Talking with someone. I have highlighted dead there uh, because I went to 11 different resources trying to find the answer to those uh, present active participles in, verses, in verse 10. Not one of them addressed any of them. So sometimes the dead guys didn't know either, and that's okay. Um, and then share your insights about Mark and invite a member and a non-member. Uh, and then if you want to follow up with any of our resources, you can do so at OurSundaySchool.com. So uh, if you've got your weekly update on your table, and you should, uh, go ahead and pray through those prayer requests. Add any new prayer requests. Uh, when you are finished, after you have prayed, you are dismissed to go in and worship this one who we have been talking about. So thanks for coming to Sunday School today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.